Hi, guys. It's good to see you. Um, I love Alpha. I feel like I always am having to learn new things about who God is, and I also have to unlearn things that I learned over the course of 40 years. And so some unlearning is good, some learning is good. Alpha will help with both. It's really good. Um, if I told you what's in this jar will change your life, how much would you pay me for it? Any, any bids? 50 cents. We have, a, we have a bid on the table for 50 cents. I said it would change your life. 10 bucks. I've got 10 bucks. This is... The, <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not going to tell you what's in the jar, but I am going to tell you that we often are looking for things that we need and can't find. And I am, my title, I was hired here at B4 to be the director of spiritual formation, and you should put that on a, like a loan application. And they'll be like, what is, what is that? <laughs> and it, it just really, spiritual formation is, is the process of becoming more like God, um, but it's also the process of becoming more like who we were always meant to be. And I know we get a little squeamish sometimes inside of church when we talk too much about humans and not enough about God, but we are, in fact, the crown of his creation. He cares about us, and he cares about what's inside of us, and he cares about what, what today holds and what tomorrow holds. God, Jesus said, he knows all the number of hairs on your head. So he probably cares about how your heart feels this morning. He probably cares about some of the things that are more consequential than the hairs on your head. But he uses this example to show us God is in, at work in you. And so spiritual formation happens when the image of God, his image, that's who he is, and his workmanship, which is who we are, come together perfectly in a human life. So when the image of God, the creator, and the creation come together, that creates spiritual formation. That creates who we want to be. This is um, a couple of scriptures that point us back to this over and over again. Uh, one is Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God, into this conversation about the creation of planets and galaxies and waters, uh, oceans and ecosystems and skeletal systems, into this conversation, all of a sudden we get this scripture that says, let us make man in our image. And so we are created in the image of God. We bear in our heart what uh, St. Augustine uh, coined as the Imago Dei, the image of the divine embedded inside of us. It's there. There's not been a single human being ever created in anyone else's image. It's only in the image of God. We were all created in his image. For some, I think we have squashed it down more completely than others, but we all contain the Imago Dei, the embedded image of the divine, the image of Jesus himself. Um, <clears throat> Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Wait a minute. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Did you wake up this morning and look in the mirror and say, you are wonderful. You are awesome. You are it. <laughs> you aren't it. 
but you are wonderful. And it's hard sometimes to understand with all the other things I want to be, with all the things I don't think I am, with all of my inadequacies and my failure and my shame and my heartache and my loss and my sorrow and the times when I didn't win and the times when I wasn't chosen for the team. It's hard to believe that what's inside of me is truly wonderful, but God speaks it to us. If we stand on this Bible we say we believe in, then we have to also say, I am made in the image of God. I am fearfully and wonderful made and he has made in me something wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Do you see David's language here? He says, you knit me together. You wove me together. This is not some kind of widget on an assembly line in a factory. This is not some kind of just, I'm going to just create a whole bunch of them and send them out and see how they do. Oops, that one got through quality control. They're probably not, that's a little bit of a dud. No, no this is knitting and weaving. When I spoke at a conference recently, there was a woman who went to all three sessions and through every session she knit. And it was sort of mesmerizing to watch her because you could see like this scarf or whatever she's knitting flow from it. And... And I noticed that when you knit, every piece of yarn goes through the hands of the craftsman. Every single piece of it. There's nothing in knitting that is mass production. It takes way too much time. It isn't cost effective. And yet, God knit you together and he wove you in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is about Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The principle in this scripture is not that all of us are set apart to be a prophet to the nations. The principle is, though, that he knew you before you were born, before there was a substance to you. What was you in that time? The image of God. It, it exists in us. It's not temporary. Flesh and blood, temporary. Numbers of hair on our heads, certainly temporary. Sorry. But he knows you. He knows his image in you. And then <clears throat> Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All of these scriptures go back before your beginning. All of these scriptures express that there's something permanent and sturdy and immovable inside of you. Something that doesn't change, it can only be covered over. This says we're his handiwork. That work in the Greek is the word poema, and it means a poem. And that's like being knit. You don't mass produce poetry, chat GPT aside, we don't mass produce, I've done it actually. I've been like, write a love poem to my husband and they did pretty good. <laughs> but at this point, a poem written by a master writer, that's what you are. Every word is in place, every line makes sense and he, even the bad words, even the hard words, even the dark sentences, they all come together to make out of you something beautiful because of his image that is buried inside of you. Um, 
No human ever created in anyone else's image. The image of God, the Imago Dei, is the irrevocable piece at the center of your being. It's that thing that was created in you before the foundations of the world. All of these scriptures tell us that this pre-exists our actual form and substance, but that it is distinct to each one of us. It's the piece of the nature and image of God that you uniquely possess. Spiritual formation is not the homogenization of humanity. Sometimes it's easy to look at a pastor or a leader and say, well, if I'm supposed to become like Jesus, I'm gonna become like the person that I think is the most like Jesus in my world. And I mean, Pastor Alex, Pastor Steve, Pastor Jamie, you, you weren't meant to be made in their image. They, they can help you see an aspect of the love of God you didn't see before, but you were never meant to be made in their image. And we can look right now across the church and see whole churches, whole movements that are modeling themselves after one very charismatic leader or one idea or one ideology or one group or one group think. And we were meant to be created in the image of God as his image is expressed in us uniquely. We're supposed to be made in his image, and his image is universe-filling. It's complex and beautiful, and there's so much detail to it that there's enough for each of us to reflect God in a unique way, in a way that all of us need to see and know. Uh, Dr. Seuss says, today you are you, that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. And I think God says that same thing to you this morning. There's no one alive who is youer than you. When God created you, he didn't mean for you to be like anybody else. He didn't mean for you to cobble together your identity from all the parts spinning around you, your resume, your job performance, your, what, how you've parented, how you vacation, how you whatever. He didn't mean for you to cobble that identity together. He meant for you to reflect his image as it uniquely dwells inside of you. I had a vision one day of this um, painter, this master craftsman, this, this great artist sitting at an easel creating this beautiful masterpiece of a portrait. And I knew it was a masterpiece, but I couldn't tell what it was. It's like, it's just color everywhere. And I, I don't know what that's supposed to be, but it's wonderful. And then when you back up from the painter, you see that what he's painting is a piece of a puzzle. It's just a puzzle piece, and that piece, when he's done, is gonna be put into a bigger picture. And I think the Imago Dei is like that. It's a puzzle piece. It's this piece of his divine nature embedded in us, and it's meant to complete a picture of who he is. Um, My friend Steve Mitchell made me a picture of this, and I want to show it to you because I think it's inspiring. It's God giving Adam the piece. So God gives Adam the Imago Dei, but then B4 gives him the hat because we want, we want to just keep it, keep it PG for the 11 o'clock crowd. Um, the Imago Day is the puzzle piece of God's nature embedded inside of you. Last Christmas, I decided that my husband and I, you can take that down so people listen to me now. <laughs> what? You want a picture? You know what, we'll put it up at the end. Remind me, Kelsey, to throw that up at the end so they can get a picture. Steve, well done, t-shirts. We're gonna do t-shirts, it's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> or maybe just hats is what we need to sell. Um, so I had this situation last Christmas. I was decided that my husband and I were old enough to start doing jigsaw puzzles. 
And at one point, our son came home, and it was like 8 o'clock, and we're doing a puzzle at the table. And he's like, man, you guys, man, <laughs> this is very early for you to be like this. But we were doing it. I don't like doing them. My husband likes doing them. And I had researched and got this one online, and it was really hard. It was a skyscraper, and it was just really hard. It was a 1,000 pieces, which is like 700 pieces too many, you know? And... So I'm doing it by myself one night when I get home and a piece drops to the floor and I thought, I'll just get it later. But at that point, my dog, who is really sweet but not very smart, um, just sucked it up, the piece. And, I was, and she doesn't know much. She, obey, she doesn't obey me that well. But, but I, she does know drop it and she's good at it. And so I just like drop it, Piper. And she looked at me and just swallowed it down, just swallowed the piece down. I was like, great, that's perfect. And without even thinking, I picked the whole puzzle up and tossed it in the trash. And I know, I still had 999 pieces left, right? I I have nearly the whole puzzle in front of me, but there is no use doing that puzzle if I can't put the last piece at the end. Maybe there are some of you who could not operate that way. You couldn't throw, I cannot. It's completion. That's what I want in the puzzle. It's not, oh, how many of these pieces do I think I can get done? Nope. And then I was thinking later that night about Jesus talking about the shepherd. When he's a good shepherd, he leaves the 99 to find the one. Even though he still has 99 left. Even though he still has 999 left. Even though he still has 99 billion left. He leaves them to find the one because it's not a numbers game. It's not how many pieces are out there. It's that we need them all to accurately represent the love of a good, good father that is too big for any one of us to represent to our world. So the shepherd goes after the sheep because we need that peace. If you are praying for someone right now, believe that the good shepherd will find them. The good shepherd is not willing to let any piece of the puzzle fall to the floor. And he's certainly not willing to scrap the whole thing like this kid. I'm I'm willing. He is not. And so the piece of the puzzle that you possess is important. It's valuable. From the moment you took your first breath, this is how you know it's valuable, the imago Dei inside of you. Because from the moment you took your first breath, everything has been trying to cover it over. There has been a war against the Imago Dei in your life from the minute you were born. The whole world lies under the sway of evil. You, 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 you contain this piece of the, the image of God, you contain it inside of yourself, but then that is surrounded by a body that is made of flesh and bone and blood and aches and pains and hormones and emotions and rage and lust and envy and all the things that go on in this world. And then around this world, there is a culture and a society and a whole world that has politics and systems and crime and injustice and heartache and loss and disease disease, famine, world events, all of these things are surrounding this world and around that world. It's Ephesians 6 tells us there is a whole world of powers and principalities, darkness at war. For what? The piece of the puzzle that is the image of God in you. Because really, as long as you're not aware of that and as long as you try to struggle through this on your own, Job well done for him that keeps us ineffective and stuck. So the Imago Dei can live buried under anger and rage 
It can live buried under wounds and darkness to the point of complete obscurity. The Imago Dei can be suffocated by shame. It can be buried in the rubble of the kingdoms of this world, but it also can be excavated. It can be emancipated. The Imago Dei is in you and available to you. Who are you when you reflect the love of God? Here are things I believe to be true about the Imago Dei. The first one is it reflects what's happening in heaven. I don't think we talk enough about heaven in the church um, because we, we just get caught in what's going on here on earth, you know? We just get caught. We get caught believing this is all that matters and we're getting there one day, one day, one day. And I think because of that, we, we present images of heaven that are kind of boring, kind of plain, kind of like, I'm not that interested in clouds. I'm not that interested in cherubs. I'm not, I, you know, I don't know that heaven is gonna be 24-hour worship. It seems to me when I look at heaven and what Jesus says about it, that heaven is gonna be busy and active and creative and there's gonna be work there and play there and music there and all the things that we love. In fact, good food there in heaven. It sounds to me like if there's anything you love on earth, there's gonna be a better one in heaven. And so when Jesus says, when you pray, pray this, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. That means, you know, we'd sim- in hymns, we do like verse one, verse two, verse three, verse four is always gonna be about heaven. Verse four, you're always like, when we've been there 10,000 years. I mean, when I get up there, streets of gold, all this stuff. Jesus moves it up to the first verse. Jesus moves heaven up to the front of our awareness. His kingdom comes in us. Heaven comes to earth. And in in earth as it is in heaven, in Beaverton as it is in heaven, in Bow as it is in heaven, we want the ethos of heaven to come into who we are because heaven is what we were built for. All of the rest of this stuff is a trap. Heaven is what we were built for. It's not boring, it's beautiful. And we will be more alive there than we have ever been while we were stuck here under the sun. The Imago Dei it's, has deep beauty embedded in it. Um, Colossians 1.27 makes a really bold claim. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. The Imago Dei has deep beauty embedded in it, but it is, I believe, unique to each of us. It contains every good and true and beautiful characteristic of who we are is a reflection of the love and purpose of God. I have a friend who loves to shop at thrift stores and find something and redo it and make it worth more. And that's part of her heart for people too. I don't share that heart. I don't like thrift stores. But I see a part of the love of God and the way she is with that. My friend Casey loves music and develops it and writes songs that speak my heart, even though I can't do that. It's part of the Imago Dei inside of him. I love to cook a good meal and have a bunch of people around the table. Not everybody does, but I've come to understand that's part of the love of God that's embedded inside of me. I don't know, honestly, I don't know that you, I would say, What I'm called to is to be a pastor or teacher or writer. I know that in the Imago Dei in my life, I am called to help every person I can find their place in the story of God. But I will do that in a million different places and in a million different ways. I will do that hopefully at HOA meetings and on Sunday mornings here and and at the grocery store and from the rocking chair in my retirement home. 
You know, I'm gonna, this is gonna be my story. It's the Imago Day. It's not my gifts, it's not my talents, it's not my job title. It's who I was created to be as I try to reflect the love of a good God to a world that needs it so much. So when we look into the beauty of heaven, we say that's something that can come alive in me. Who will I be? Um, when my husband was dying, he talked a lot about heaven and he talked about um, golfing a lot. He talked about he would golf with his dad. He couldn't wait to golf with his dad and he couldn't wait to golf with some friends who had gone before him. And he talked about he couldn't wait to golf with Ron Mel because he had done that once and loved it very much. And one day I said to him, yeah, and also when you get there, can you check out the libraries? Because I bet C.S. Lewis is writing some good books. And he looked at me and he said, do you think there'll be libraries in heaven? <laughs> I was like, if there are golf courses, come on. <laughs> I mean, at least give me a library. And this is the thing. I think that we have this idea that we've created the coolest stuff here, and that's really pretty arrogant. I think in heaven, the best things are being made. The best books are being written. The best ballets are being danced. The best operas are being sung. The best coffee shops are happening. I just believe it. Because couldn't we do something better than he can do? Nope. And so there's all of this happening, and I say, what is in me that longs for home? What is in me that longs to have a good meal around a table with people I love who love me back? I didn't make that up. That's part of what's inside of me. People, some people just wanna be the best grandparent they can be. That's a part of the love of God inside of you. Um, are there other things inside of us that are not the Imago Dei, that are not reflective of God's character? Yes, do I need to prove it to you? I think we all know that. I think we all know that the, we're all full of wickedness too. But I'm telling you, there is a flame the love of God inside of you. God um, is creating us and has created us to reflect his beauty to a world in a way that only we can do. I ran into uh, Larry before church this morning and he was telling me, I get you because I lost my wife in 2018. There's something both of us understand about God's love in the middle of loss that matters and we see it in each other. And we all have those things inside of us that really matter. And this is why Jesus said, when you pray this, pray you're in, on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come into us. The Imago Dei exists independently of our finite timeline. It is the one thing I think that will last. All the other things will fade away. Height and weight, resume, wins and losses, wounds will fade away. But the thing that lasts is the image of God inside of us. First Peter calls it the incorruptible seed coming to full, eternal, vibrant life. But Jesus says we can also have more of it now. We can live into and out of the image of God as it lives inside of us right now, right here. We don't have to wait for heaven. We start to access it. Spiritual formation is identifying and removing whatever covers over the Imago Dei. Spiritual maturity is living out of the Imago Dei and, and the beauty embedded within it. Formation is removing the things, excavating. I can see this piece of shame is not letting it out. I can see these things are covering it over. Spiritual maturity is when I start to live out of that. When I start to live out of the image of Christ embedded in me when I'm in a long line and I'm mad at the people around me. I mean, and it's actually a whole different sermon to say, 
when we understand that each one of us is an image bearer of God himself, it impacts the way we treat people around us when we understand that. That's a whole different message. But we can't even really get to that message until we understand it for ourselves, that we are image bearers, that Christ in me, the hope of glory, if the world is supposed to see the hope of glory through me, are they seeing it? I have to ask myself the real questions. We see Jesus inside of each other and inside of ourselves. And if we were gonna put all these pieces together, band, you can come back. I'm gonna skip that last story, by the way. Um, I, when we start to put the pieces together, the masterpiece that is your life, the masterpiece that is my life, the, the way you care about the people God has given you to love, the way maybe you care about numbers, the way you care about science, the way you care about Africa, the way you care about people who have lost children. When all of these pieces come together, these little mini masterpieces of the love of God and we put them, fit them all into place, you know what we see? The whole picture of God, all of who God is. Colossians says the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. I think the fullness of the Godhead dwells in all of us together and we bring our picture of him to the table and we show this is the God who loves you in addiction. This is the God who loves you when you fail. This is the God who loves you when your marriage doesn't work out. This is the God who shows up when you're afraid of the dark. This is the God who comes to you through the people who bear his image in his world. I listened to a Rick Warren podcast recently and he said that the fastest growing season of the church, the most the church has ever grown, the fastest it's ever grown was the first 300 years of its existence. It went from 120 people to half of the Roman Empire, 15 million people. And this happened in a time when there was no internet and no printing press and no, there, there was no resources to fast track it. None of it. In fact, what they didn't have was resources. What they did have was persecution. And yet the church grew faster than it has ever grown in all of history. Why? Because somehow these people had a handle on the fact that it was Christ in them, the hope of glory. That if I don't live out of the Imago Dei in my life, somebody isn't going to experience the love of God who should. Because I can't count on Facebook to do it. I can't count on a good book to put in their hands. I can't count on any of the things that we think now ought to supersize and hyperspeed our faith. But the initial uh, blessing and explosion of the early church was one person, one person, one person, one person with another person, eyeball to eyeball, face to face, heart to heart, in grief, in sorrow, in pain, in joy. It was people like you, the hope of glory in their world. This is why, honestly, this is why we believe in women in ministry here because we need the whole entire army living out of the Imago Day and speaking to the next person and speaking to the next person and speaking to the next person. It matters if we live this out. It matters. 
You reflect something of God that no one else reflects. You reflect something of his love that no one else does. So, what's in the jar? It's the puzzle piece. It's not Piper's puzzle piece, puzzle piece I promise. I didn't, I didn't go back and try to find that. It's the Imago Dei inside of you. The awareness of it will change your life. I believe it will change our church as we begin to live out of the awareness of who we are. And the thing is, you could offer me a billion dollars for this and I couldn't give it to you because I don't need to. You already own it. It's free. All you have to do is pop the lid, let the light in, let God look around and say, this is who I created you to be. Ask, you, ask yourself, what do I love? What do I hate? The stuff you hate will lead you. It's an indicator of the passion that God has put inside of you. Ask yourself, what makes me laugh? What makes me cry? When I'm at my very best, how do I love the people around me? That'll start to point you in the direction of who you are. When you start to see something good in yourself, say, I am wonderfully made. I'm gonna play up on that. I'm gonna live into that. God is uniquely and beautifully and before the foundations of the world embedded his face, his image, his glory inside of you. You contain the hope of glory. You know what? This jar is nothing special. It's like Dollar Tree. The container's not the point. It's the hope of glory that lives in you. You are more wonderful than you could ever believe, ever dream. We're gonna sing this song and we're gonna let the light in again this morning and just ask God to look inside and show me who you are inside of me and show me who I am inside of your love.
assignment. I just had it land in my heart just now. I wonder if you could download this song. It's just let the light in. Yeah, Cody, Bar- Cody Corns, right? Um, if you just download this song this weekend, would you just sing it over America, just over our country? Just Could we just ask that God would open the windows of our nation and let the light in and reveal to us who we are and what is embedded inside of us that could change his world? I just think it's so hard right now and it feels so tense and we could ask God we could just believe for something crazy right could we just believe that maybe something more is coming than bad than another bad idea than another bad election than another bad story could we just believe that the presence of God is going to land in our nation in a profound way in 2023 I just want to believe it Guys, I'm just tired of being in despair over things. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being in this company that says, it's all going to hell. It's all going down the drain. There's no hope left. There's no, I just won't believe it until it happens. Until America goes down the drain, I'm gonna believe that Jesus is coming for us. He is coming to do something good for us. And so can we just believe that this week? If you want to join me in that, we're going to be praying for America this week, it turns out. Okay, if you want to receive the final blessing, put your hands out in front of you. May you be people who truly know the value of what's inside of you. That the only good thing in any of us is the image of God himself. May you be people who take that Imago Dei to a world that's desperate. May you live into it and out of it. And may you take the lid off the jar and fully experience what it means to be known and seen and loved by God. In the name of the one who sets us free, we all said amen. Amen. Hey, we love you. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you next weekend.